it's a very complex and few accountants really know about depreciation and what depreciation is in layman's terms. I am not a tax professional and I'm not a legal professional. So we're an engineering company. So when I speak about accounting, I'm not giving anybody tax advice or accounting advice. But basically, the IRS recognizes that over the life of owning a investment real estate, not primary residence, that's not a depreciable asset, but an investment piece of real estate, no matter what kind it is, they're saying you're using it up as you own it. So you buy a building and over time, it's falling apart. Now, you are going to fix it over time, too. But the IRS says, look, instead of waiting until you need to fix it, we're going to let you depreciate the building or take an expense based on the fact that your building is disintegrating before your eyes. And it's really simple. If I point down at the carpet in a hotel and I say, hey, look, how long is this carpet going to last? They would say, I'd be lucky if it lasts five years or a multifamily, five, six, seven years. So it's easy for everybody to understand. Welcome to Super Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm your host, Shahid Durrani. Today we have with us Joe Vairi. Joe is a managing partner at U.S. Tax Advisors Group. They combine technology and engineering expertise to utilize compliant practices and follows IRS tax code and U.S. law. Their objective is to help business leaders optimize income tax deductions and credits, maximizing their growth by increasing profitability, developing environmentally friendly energy solutions, and obtaining a higher return on investment. Welcome to our show, Joe. Shahid, thank you very much for having me. My pleasure, my friend, my pleasure. So can you start by answering one question. When you were growing up, is this what you wanted to get into? Oh, yeah. I was thinking that I wanted to be a cost segregation engineer when I was like three or four. No, I'm yeah. kidding. No. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> no. So when did this passion come about? Okay. So what happened was I've always been entrepreneurial. Don't ask me how God made me or whatever you want to say, how I was created. But when I was in college, I was walking through campus and they had a travel day. And the guy who helped me in high school five years before go to go to Europe was there. I talked to him at the end of our conversation. I said, do you have a job? He said, come see me. And he gave me a job as a travel agent. I hated that. I wanted to know why my manager of, my, of the travel agency was in this goofy industry. And she said, because I like group travel. So I segued into group travel because I loved it. So I started my own business because as a full-time group person, I would be gone six weeks, I'd fly me home for one week, and I'd be gone for six weeks, one week, six weeks. And obviously, that's really hard on your relationship life. So bottom line is I decided to start my own business. I did that for 20 years, doing special interest travel all over the United States and internationally. And then I sold my business in 2000, and I started working for the California Association of Realtors. And I had a good time working for CAR, California Association of Realtors. 
And I was involved in taxation issues and in financial planning for their members and for their members' clients. In 2007, something happened and the car went off the cliff and crashed. And bottom line is the California Association of Realtors and the, and the real estate industry in California stopped. So bottom line is about a year prior, I had a couple of clients. Oh, I had a friend who wanted to tell me about something that he thought would be very important. And I kept thinking he wanted to sell me soap. So I blew him off for a year. Finally, I, I sat down with him and he said, look, there's a strategy out there that you could save your clients income taxes, personal income taxes. So I had two clients that were staring down the barrel of a $50,000 tax bill. They couldn't pay it. I helped them out. And bottom line is when the real estate crash happened in 2007 and eight. The owner of the company asked me if I wanted to join him in cost segregation. That's what the industry is called, cost segregation, where we go in there and we accelerate the depreciation of buildings. And my, my, my business went straight on up because I was lucky enough to get involved with a lot of individuals that had a lot of money. And instead of selling real estate, they were buying like crazy or they were loaning money to entities that needed loans. And then they defaulted on their loans, so they got their buildings, their hotels, their senior centers. So that's how I carved my niche. And about six years ago, I started my own business. Oh, Joe, you're a good friend to have, I guess. <laughs> right? If you need to pay income tax in your own real estate, yeah. I'm the best friend anybody could have. <laughs> Can you elaborate on that part where depreciation, you accelerate depreciation? Yeah, let me explain what we do. It's a very complex and, and few accountants really know about depreciation and what depreciation is in, in layman's terms. I am not a tax professional and I'm not a legal professional. So we're an engineering company. So when I speak about accounting, I'm not giving anybody tax advice or accounting advice. But basically, the IRS recognizes that over the life of owning a investment real estate, not primary residence, that's not a depreciable asset. But an investment piece of real estate, no matter what kind it is, they're saying you're using it up as you own it. So you buy a building and over time it's falling apart. Now you are going to fix it over time too. But the IRS says, look, instead of waiting until you need to fix it, we're going to let you depreciate the building or take an expense based on the fact that your building is disintegrating before your eyes. And it's really simple. If I point down at the carpet in a hotel and I say, hey, look, how long is this carpet going to last? They would say, I'd be lucky if it lasts five years or a multifamily, five, six, seven years. So it's easy for everybody to understand. There are numerous parts of the building construction components that the IRS says, no, it's not going to be a long-term asset, it's short-term. So what happens to calculate depreciation? There's two methods. One is straight line anybody can do, a child can do. All you need to know is the building basis. The building basis is whatever you paid for the building less the land. Land is not a depreciable asset. So I'll use a simple building. You buy a building for $1.2 million. Somebody, not us, USTAGI, somebody allocates $200,000 to land. I've got a million dollar building basis. If it's a commercial building, I divide by 39 years. And I get a little bit of that building expense as a deduction against taxable income over the next 39 years. For a residential, multifamily, single family, it's 27 and a half years. Some people ask me, Joe, who came up with 39 in 27 and a half years? You know what? You'd have to know how Cong Congress th thinks 
or how the IRS thinks. And they don't think logically. So who knows how they came up with those two numbers, but that's the law, that's the way it is. So what most accountants do is they depreciate the building using straight line. Why not? Because they're not engineers. So they just divide by 39 or 27 and a half. They give it to you, but that's a small expense. The real way is to have an engineer break out the buildings legitimately into all of these different lives for the interior of the building, which is going to be countertops, cabinets, flooring, except for, except for tile, window coverings, specialty lighting, on and on. You have all of these items inside the building, which we designate as five-year. The outside of the building we designate as 15-year. What is that? Landscaping, fencing, pools, driveways, patios. So all of these 15, these are based in 15-year property. So what we're doing, it's very simple. We're breaking out the five, the seven, and the 15-year property, and we're taking it away from the 27 and a half or 39-year straight line property. And we give it to you because of bonus depreciation. If you have not filed your taxes yet for 22, 100% of what I find in those short lives, you get all of the expense in tax year 22. Now, if you're in tax year 23, it starts going phasing out. So next year, it's going to be 80% in 60, 40, 20, and then it's zero. But bonus depreciation rules are not, I don't consider them any reason to jump in and do cost segregation. It's a nice factor. But don't forget, I've been doing this for 12 years without bonus depreciation. But it is nice that I give you 100% of what I find for tax year 22 you get all of that deduction. So in my example, a million-dollar building, if I find 25% in those smaller asset classes, I'm going to give the owner a $250,000 deduction against income. And how does it work? It's relatively simple. You have gross taxable income, less all of your expenses, gives you net taxable income. That's what you pay your income taxes on. So if I can give you a bit a, a big expense, then basically I can wipe out and reduce or eliminate your taxable income. And that's hundred percent legal too. Oh God. It, when I first started, one of the misconceptions is I had so many accountants and clients go, must be a scam, must be a scam. Yeah. And I go, no, yeah. it's not a scam. It's not a scam. Go to these audit <laughs> technique guidelines for cost segregation published by the IRS. Google that ATG for cost seg. You'll find a 200 page document. And that's my Bible. That's what separates U.S. tax advisors from a lot of people out there is we perform, we do our studies by the dictation of the IRS. They tell us how to do a quality study. How do you do a quality study? You need an engineering company. You could consider it a loophole with the IRS. No, I don't consider it a loophole. No. I consider it a very misunderstood part of the tax mm. law that most accountants don't get. They're not engineers. So they're, they don't want to get it. But it, it's mm -hmm. as, as legitimate as it comes. All anybody has to do is go to the audit technique guidelines for a cost segregation. It's published by the IRS. And you can see how it, it is 100% legitimized by the IRS. As long as it's done correctly. If it's done mm -hmm. by somebody in the back room who's not an engineer, you're going to get audited. Mm -hmm. If you get audited, yeah. you're going to face fines and penalties. Any of your work has gone through any audits in the past? Boy, I hate to say this. I've been doing this mm -hmm. since 2007. And I don't know if it's good news or bad news, but I've been questioned by the IRS 
but I've not had any of the tens of thousands awesome. of studies we've done. I've never had them audited. I, I'm welcoming the day because I want to, yeah. we don't mind because mm. we don't mind pulling up the kimono because we do everything correctly. And I would not, yeah. yeah, I'm not afraid of an audit. Yeah, yeah. And obviously this is the tax side of things. It doesn't affect the leverage that they may have on the building, right? Not at all. Okay. <laughs> what we're doing, and I get this question a lot, is people want to talk about the fair market value of a building. No, the IRS does not care about fair market values. All the IRS cares about is when did you buy the building? How much mm. did you pay for it? So if the building you bought for a million dollars is now worth two, I'm sorry to say that has nothing to do with the work that we base it on the million dollar, million two building you bought. That's what we do. Now, there is a wrinkle in this. And that the wrinkle is when I first started, we would always send an engineer or a professional out to the field to document the building, measure all of the personal property, take pictures and read all the documents. So what we did about six years ago when I started my firm is we came up with we came up with another type of study we call it a modeling study which is analytically based so for smaller buildings with a basis of 750 or lower regardless of the building type could be multifamily but most of those we do the smaller building basis or single family homes so now we can do the single family homes and not fly somebody out to the field to do it and we can do those at a very affordable rate so now any kind of building, if the client needs to save on income taxes, they can call me and we can give them a free quote and they can do no, no cost quote and they can decide if it makes sense to do cost seg. So your ideal clients would be real estate investors that are heavy on, for example, apartment buildings or storage facilities, et cetera. Yes and no, but here's the deal. Because of what I just mm -hmm. mentioned, doing the modeling study, we don't care. We have people that, I just talked to somebody yesterday. It's his first time buying a building. They, his wife has a job, and now he's taking some of his funds, and he's going out and buying single-family homes in Alabama, okay? I don't care where the buildings are nationwide. And so bottom line, even for that small, he said, is it worth it? I said, it depends on three things. Here's the three things that everybody should think about. Number one, you must hold the building for at least a year and a half to two years. If you're a flipper or you're planning on, on, on flipping the building, there's a concept in taxation called depreciation recapture. And so you have to pay back some of the depreciation you've taken. And if you're not going to hold the building for at least a year and a half or two years, the math just doesn't work. I'll be the first to tell mm. the investor, That's a don't good, do cost good share. Yeah. Number two is, and this sounds really dumb and facetious. I'm not being sar sarcastic is that you must pay income taxes. Real estate is a hell of an investment. One of the reasons it's a great investment is because of all the taxation benefits. So I have lots of people I talk to that simply don't pay income taxes. I tell them, you don't need me. Don't do cost saving. Don't give me money. I'm not going to take your money because if you're not paying income tax, don't call Joe. So that might sound ridiculous, but you have to talk to your accountant and say, look, Am I going to pay any income taxes? If the answer is no, wait until your accountant tells you, oh, hey, you must write that check. Then you call Joe and then I will, keep, I will let you keep that money in your bank account instead of writing the check out to the state or to the federal tax. This is a very specific niche you have here and you can really help people save a lot. That's what I'm seeing. 
or hearing. You know, what I like to see, but I'm not, this is not what I do, but obviously I come back from financial planning. I would like to see whatever, if the, if, if the accountant says, write a check out this year to $50,000 to the IRS. And instead I come along and I save that 50,000 and now it's in your bank. I want you to go out and buy more real estate. I want you to go and improve your mm. property and put a new roof Good. on, new HVAC. That's what I want to see. I want to see yeah. you grow your wealth. Reinvest. And one way mm. you can do it is cash flow. Cash flow, baby. If you're mm, going to write yeah. a check out to the IRS before you write the check, if you own any property, call Joe. We'll talk it over. I'll give you a, a no-cost estimate. Take it back to your accountant. Say, hey, Joe's going to give me give me $50,000 in deduction. Should I do it or not? And then you guys make up your mind. I don't care if you say yes or no. We're really busy. I just want to help everybody do the best thing. There is one other small issue, but I'll, and I'll explain it. We give the investor the type of losses as per they are a real estate investor. So if you're an active investor, we give you active losses. If you're a passive investor, we give you passive losses. The only issue, what number one active is gold. That's number one. So if you're a real estate professional, meaning that you get most of your income or you spend at least 750 hours per year on real estate, and you're an active investor, then all of my losses go against all of your income. And if you're married and you file jointly, all of my losses go against your joint income, which is huge. If you're not in your passive investor, meaning you have other income from, let's say, being a doctor and you know, you're just investing in real estate, you're passive, don't be that dismayed because we work with many passive investors. There's a limitation to how much passive losses you can take per year but all my losses carry forward until, until they're, the bucket's all empty. So usually that doesn't make too much difference. So let's say I give somebody $50,000 in, in, in deductions and they can only use max $25,000 the first year. They got $25,000 for the second year. So, that, so it'll take them two years, but they're still going to get the full benefit of accelerating the depreciation. So the accelerating of the depreciation can only happen once in a lifetime of a building or it can happen unfortunately yes now if you buy a new building okay. then we can work with the new building if you exchange into a building and as long as it's a positive exchange if it's a, a straight exchange there's nothing for me to accelerate but let me give you that example of the million two building that you bought yeah. now let's say you buy a building for two million dollars you exchange into a two million dollar building i then have a million dollars to work with so I don't have the two million because the other million dollars is has been depreciated. Mm -hmm. I have the other million dollars of the two million dollar acquisition you made. So we look at each one differently. But if you bought a bill, building for, <clears throat> if you sold the building for one point one, and you bought a new building for one point one, I can tell you right now we have nothing to work with. So that's the only time. But in my world, mostly what happens is that my clients buy buildings every year. So yes, it is one and done. But they know they're smart enough to know that they're buying more buildings to increase their wealth. And then always they call Joe because they, they know the value of saving on income taxes. I told you, I knew Joe is the guy. You got to have, you got to be friends with Joe, everyone in the audience. <laughs> they're now, there, real there's estate one especially. wild card. You know, I mentioned, mm. I'm just going to talk very quickly on this. I mentioned that if mm. you are not going to hold the property for a year and a half to two years, don't do cost seg. It's not going to mm. pencil out. However, yeah. we do energy studies. There is a new wrinkle to the energy tax credits. And the wrinkle is this. 
you can the, the whoever did those improvements can go back three years, and as long as they paid for the improvements and the improvements caused an increase in the energy efficiency, they can get anywhere between two and five thousand dollar tax credit per door. Now that's not a deduction; that's a credit that comes right off your taxes. If I give you a $2,000 tax credit and you owe 50,000. Now you're going to owe 48,000. So they're powerful. But the big thing, mm -hmm. a lot of flippers don't know this. You can go back three years, even if you sold the building. So you bought a building, you did all the work. And then three months later, you sold it. As long as it's within that three-year period, we can go back and you can cl claim the 45L energy tax credits. Mm -hmm. And a lot of accountants, and a lot of investors don't even know about it. And if you're a value-add buyer, awesome. what you do is you're looking for a building at a low cost. What are you going to do? You're going to fix it up. If you fix mm. it up, you're probably going to have enough of the improvement cost to increase the energy efficiency. You can't Almost. buy things nowadays that are not energy efficient. It's just not the way it works. Yeah, so when you buy a building, the purpose is to improve it they increase the rent, go back to the bank, do the leverage, and then refinance, pull out the investment, that kind of stuff. So most people are doing the work anyways, but they probably didn't know about this point. Yeah, it's huge. I'm telling you, because most of the time what we find mm. is you go in and you're, you replace the HVAC, especially on the older buildings. Yeah. You can't buy an yeah. HVAC unit that's not energy efficient. Yeah, you can if you buy one at the rock bottom price. But most of yeah. But most of the time, it's all energy efficient. So you buy lighting. Yeah. Guess what it's going to be? It's going to be LED lighting. You LED, buy a new water yeah. heater. Guess what it's going to be? It's going to be energy efficient water yeah. heater. Windows, doors, By default. insulation, yeah. roofing. It's all going to be energy efficient. Yeah. So as long as you're improving the building, most likely you're going to qualify. Hmm. Again, I'll have my energy engineer do a look at the building to see if he thinks you're going to qualify. If he thinks you're going to qualify, then we can go ahead with the study. If he doesn't think you're going to qualify, then we don't go ahead with the study. Simple. Awesome, Joy. It was incredible meeting you and learning about all this. You definitely sound like you have a lot of passion in this. And that's very important to have passion yeah. in what you do. Yeah, definitely. There's people in the audience that can benefit from it. Yes. I appreciate your time today. I appreciate that you came on our show to share this because it's important. People could be sitting on things that could help them increase their wealth at the end of the day. So yes. really appreciate you for what you're doing, Joe. Thank you for coming on our show today. Shall you, I'll just let them know how they can get a hold of us. It's USTAGI. Sure. It's US Tax Advisors Group Incorporated. So just simply Google USTAGI. You can find an online tabs to fill out, to, to get a free quote. The estimate, you can fill out the information online. We'll get back to you. And then again, what I suggest is you either get on the phone and talk to me, or if you want, just talk to your accountant. And if you're ready to move forward, then you move forward. And if you don't, great. Good luck. And when you need me, call me. Yeah. Yeah, great, Joe. Thank you. And we always include these websites that the guest has in the show notes, so they'll be able to contact you with no problem. Excellent. Appreciate you. Thanks, you, Heath. Thank you, Joe. Audience, thank you once again for joining us for another episode. If you have a building, you're looking at getting a building or any kind of real estate portfolio, and you want to see how you can save money, Joe is your guy. Thank you so much. For helping us grow appreciate you guys and we'll see you next time